Turn our Bibles this morning to the book of John, John chapter number 19, John chapter number 19. We'll read one verse of scripture for our text verse this morning, and then we will be looking at a couple of other places uh, in the Gospels. I'll remind you that uh, we've been in a series on Sunday morning uh, that I've entitled Standing Near the Cross, and uh, back in the month of May, we began taking each week a character that we find in in the scriptures uh, that was present uh, when our Savior was crucified. And I don't know if anybody else has enjoyed this series, but I've thoroughly enjoyed this series, and I believe it's been very, very helpful to us. And uh, we'll probably be in it uh, two to th- at least two to three more weeks, including today. And uh, then I've been asked, Pastor, what are we going to do after that? Well, at some point, I think we're going to go to Pilate's Hall and look at all the characters uh, that are in Pilate's Hall, and we'll just move on from there. Uh, but I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for us today. John 19, <clears throat> verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. We understand the significance of what we just read. We know if we were to continue reading the next couple of verses, the faithful disciple, the apostle John, is that disciple that's just standing by. Our Savior is taking upon him the sins of all mankind, your sins, my sins, the sins of every man who ever lived, the sins of every man who ever would live. And he is paying the punishment that man deserves. What a significant, the most significant thing that's ever taken place. But as we have learned, each character there, there is something that we can learn from them. Our eyes are always on the Savior. Our eyes are always on that cross. But there's much to learn from those that were there. Uh, One thing before I let you know which character we're going to look at this morning, I want us to be reminded of is sometimes we look at those who God has recorded for us in Scripture that they were different than we are. They lived in a different time, but they were flesh and blood. They had to look to a Savior. They had failures. They had fears. And those who Scripture records, and certainly this group that we read about just a moment ago, they had to decide that they were going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not there at that bloody scene by accident. They went because the Savior was there. They went because the Lord Jesus was there. They didn't understand everything that was taking place or what was taking place, but they just knew Jesus was there. And the same is true for each and every one of us. There has to be a time we look to that cross and we look at Jesus and what Jesus did, his death, burial, and resurrection, and we look to him for our salvation. There has to be a time when we decide that we're going to follow Christ. And this morning, this character, I believe, gives us a good example. Look in verse number 25. There stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. This morning, we're going to look at Mary, the unknown yet faithful follower. Mary, the unknown yet faithful follower. Father, help us today as we look into your word. May the truths of Scripture uh, speak to us today. Father, my prayer is that if there's one unsaved, that they would realize their need of salvation. The Spirit of God, even now as I pray, begin to work in their heart, and may they realize that Without Jesus Christ, without trusting and complete dependence on Him, 
There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no access to the Father. Father, my prayer is that before this service would conclude, they'd put their faith and trust in Christ. Father, I also pray this morning that the child of God would be encouraged by what we see in the Scripture today. We'd be helped. We'd be uh, motivated. We'd determined to be faithful to you to the very end. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we see in verse 25, I want to remind you that uh, there are four individuals there, and they all happen to have the name Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, Mary, Mary his, his mother's sister, also known as Salome. This was the mother of uh, James and John, the uh, sons of thunder, as they were called. Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. So far in our study, we have looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus. We have looked at Mary Magdalene. Uh, we, are, we are going to look at uh, Mary, or mother, Mary's sister. Today, we're going to look at Mary, the wife of Cleophas. I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, if you will. Matthew chapter number 27. The account in, of the crucifixion in the gospel of Matthew gives us a different perspective of the characters that were at the cross. Matthew chapter number 27, and I want us to see in verse number 55. Matthew 27, in verse number 55. And many women were there, beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Now, they followed Jesus from Galilee. It's quite a trek, ministering unto him. What were they doing? They were, you think Jesus, he, he mentioned to his disciples one time, foxes have their, 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 their holes and, and, and these animals have places to lay their head, but the Son of Man hath not a place to lay his head. There are those who provided for ministry. Look at verse 56. Among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph. That's the wife of Cleophas and the mother of Zebedee's children. I want us to look at this Mary this morning, the unknown yet faithful follower. Certainly the most famous Mary is the mother of Jesus. And as we've already looked at in a different week, Mary needed a Savior just like everybody else. Mary was not a deity. You cannot get to God through Mary. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. But certainly, she is the most well-known of this group. On a different occasion, we looked at Mary Magdalene and how Mary Magdalene was a faithful follower of Christ. And Mary never get over the fact of what Jesus did for her. I remind you that Mary Magdalene, <clears throat> that word Magdalene specifies what part of the country she was from. She was possessed, the scripture tells us, of seven devils. And Jesus healed her of that cast those devils out and saved her. She never got over that. She was a faithful follower of Christ. Mary's sister, who was also the mother of Zebedee's children, James and John, was the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we have one other Mary who is kind of the afterthought, if you will. Perhaps... Before I drew the attention to her today, she just kind of blended into the story. In fact, we don't know a lot about this character, Mary, but we know she's significant because God saw fit to put her there in that scene at the cross and record her for us. But I want us to see that 
this Mary, there's a lot that we could learn from her. While she was unknown, she was faithful. While she's the less known to you and I today, she was still faithful. And may we have a revival among Christians of just to be faithful to God. It doesn't matter if if you get a pat on the back. I know it feels good every once in a while. But may we just determine that we are going to be faithful to Him. Faithful to our Savior. Faithful to the things of God. But I want us to see this morning a few things about this Mary, as the Scripture calls her, the wife of Cleophas, or the mother of James and Joseph. I want us to see some things about her. While we may not know a lot about her, there's some things that we can discover that will help us. Number one, I want to say she was committed. She was committed. I know a lot of better-known Christians who fail to be as committed as this unknown Mary. She was committed. She was faithful. To every one of us this morning, I ask you, how committed are you to our Lord? Are you committed as long as it's easy? Are you committed as long as it's convenient? Are you committed no matter the circumstances? Because we find her at the cross, we know that she followed Christ. She followed him from the crowds to the cross. Matthew, as we read, it, the scripture tells us these women that were beholding afar off, they followed Jesus from Galilee ministering unto him. There was a time when it was popular to follow Christ. That's when the crowds were there. That's when the notoriety was there. That's when the people were there. And can you imagine this little group of ladies, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, how others must have looked at them and considered them? We find her there. We find them following Christ from Galilee ministering unto him to now his crucifixion in Jerusalem. They follow Christ from the crowds to the cross. Let me ask you this morning, child of God, how far will you follow Jesus? We follow him when it's convenient. We follow him uh, when, it is, when it is popular. But can we, will we follow him all the way to the end? Are we committed by the fact that she was at the cross, we know that she was willing to be identified with him. Might I just say, she was not like a lot of Christians today. She was not a secret agent Christian. She was not one of those Christians who, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. No, she was willing to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. I remind you that when he was nailed to that cross... He had the, not just the weight of our sins on him, he had been scourged, he had been mocked. He, had, he bore the shame of the crucifixion being executed just as a common criminal when he had done nothing wrong. Those we saw last week as we looked at the chief priest and those naysayers, those evil ones who came as Christ was on that cross and they mocked him and they, and they jeered at him. The atmosphere of the crowd, I remind you that after Pilate said, I find no fault in him, that crowd of that day, the mood of the society that day, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Here are these four little ladies and these others that we looked at in the past right in the middle of that. It would take commitment when he's on the cross to say, I want to be identified with him. 
No doubt there were others who could have been there, decided not to be there out of fear of their own fate. But this Mary, this unknown Mary, was committed enough that she was willing to be identified with him. Friend, may I ask all of us this morning, how committed are we to being identified with him? Are we willing to leave on not just a Sunday, but go into this world on a Monday and a Tuesday, bearing the marks of a Christian, being willing to be identified with him, being willing to be different than this world. There's a lot of Christians who say, oh, I'm a follower of Christ, but yet they're not willing to be identified with him in a world that rejects him. We find that she had made sacrifices for him. They were not at the cross because that was on their weekly agenda. They were at the cross because Jesus was, that Jesus was there. It was not convenient. It was not popular. She and these others had followed him from Galilee. She did not just get in her vehicle. She didn't just call an Uber to get to Jerusalem. She had made sacrifices and spent money and traveled so that she could get to where the Savior was. <clears throat> she had sacrificed for him. The scripture tells us in verse 55 of Matthew 27 that these ladies ministering unto him, they made sure that those physical needs were met. They made sure that there was money for the uh, disciples and those that would work with Christ. They were, she was committed to him. May this unknown Mary preach a message to us today about our commitment to Christ. I notice also very practically she was a wife, number two, she was a wife and a mother. In John 19, verse 25, she is identified as the wife of Cleophas. We know she is different. She's a different character because she's identified by who she is married to. In Luke chapter number 24, I'll turn there. If, 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 if I'll start reading as soon as I get there. But in Luke chapter 24, it, it is after the time of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And there's an account of Jesus accompanying some believers on the road to Emmaus. And I read beginning in verse number 13, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they command or communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with him. This is the resurrected Christ. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? This is an interesting passage of Scripture. Jesus joins them. They don't know who he is. The Bible says their eyes were held when they didn't know who he was. And Jesus says, Why are you all so sad? And Cleopas answers, basically, Where have you been? Are you not paying attention to what's going on around Jerusalem? This is Cleopas. Now notice this. I find this very interesting. He begins to go through, and he said unto them, verse 19, What things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted 
that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. He is giving account that they are believers. In verse 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished when which were early at the sepulchre. He says the third day. And certain women, I wonder if one of those women, he knew very well. His wife, she was the wife of Cleophas. Now, let me make a couple of, a couple of other points, and I'll get to the application. In Matthew chapter number 27, which you've already read, she's identified in verse 56, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph. Now, God saw fit to take Mary Magdalene and identify her where she was from. Where she was from was a pagan village. It was a pagan city. God saved her out of that. God chose to identify this Mary by who she was married to and who her sons were. It, this is also given an account in, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2 and 3. If you know that passage, you know this is where the disciples are listed by name. And one of those disciples is James, the son of Alphaeus, another identification of Cleophas, or James, as he's often referred to, the less. So there's identification between James and John, the, the, the sons of Mary, Mary's sister. So she's identified by who she is married to. She's identified by who her sons were, one, being a disciple of Christ. I say all that to say her husband and son were also believers, were also followers of Christ. There is obvious influence that she had as a wife and a mother. Sometimes the husband... Fault is a believer in spite of the wife, but very seldom. It's usually because of, in many cases. It's sometimes there are children who go on to serve the Lord in spite of a mother who does not. But that's a very rare thing. It is usually because of. When God chose to preserve for, for all of eternity... This woman named Mary, the unknown Mary, if you will, he identifies her by who she was married to, a man who was a believer, and who her children were, one who was a disciple of Christ. Now, don't miss this. Her commitment to the Lord no doubt impacted her other relationships. The fact that she was as committed had to have had an impact on her husband, who we find on the road to Emmaus. Her commitment to the Lord had to have an influence on her sons, including the one who forsook everything to follow Christ. Her commitment impacted relationships. There's a very obvious application to you and I today. Your commitment to Christ will have the greatest influence on those around us. Before we can reach a world for Christ, we've got to reach those around us. Your commitment makes a difference. You say, well, I, I don't have the notoriety of a Mary. I don't have a notoriety of a Mary Magdalene. But you have a, ladies, you have a husband. You have children. Men, you have a family. We have relationships. And our commitment directly affects those around us. If you're committed to Christ, it affects those around you. So I have a burden for my family. How committed are you? 
I have a burden for, 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 for my, my parents. How committed are you? I have a burden for my children. How committed are you? I have a burden for, for those that are my loved ones. How committed are you? There's no time for Christians to sit around and be worried without being committed. It makes a difference. Her commitment to the Lord impacted her other relationships. Her close relationship with the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, who was a devout follower of Jesus, Mary's sister, otherwise known as Salome, who is the mother of James and John, part of that inner circle of the Lord Jesus, do you think that had any impact on this Mary we're speaking of today? How could it not influence her to be associated with Mary, the mother of Jesus? How can it not have impacted her to be associated with Mary Magdalene, who never got over getting saved, who never got over the change that God made in her life and followed him? It's amazing. Her relations, her following Christ, her commitment to Christ had to have an impact on those, her husband, her children. But those she associated with had to have an impact on who she was and how she was influenced. There's a direct relationship, there's a direct correlation between our commitment to Christ and our friendship and relationship with others who have a commitment to Christ. There's a direct correlation between our commitment to Christ, to those who, who, who we have an influence on, who we influence for Christ. There is a great lesson we see. We look at it on the surface and God just sees fit to identify her by who she was married to. I think one reason we can see this morning is she, there was an influence on who she was married to. Certainly it was both ways, but it cannot be one way without the other. She was identified... God sees fit to, to differentiate her and these other Marys, not because she had some prestige, but by who her sons were. One who was a disciple of Christ. Her commitment influenced every relationship. If it's true for this lady, it's true for you and I. Those who we closely associate with, I don't have time this morning, but maybe another time, if you're to go to the book of Acts in that upper room after Christ has ascended, guess who you will find? It's amazing. The same people who follow Christ, when Christ commissioned the church, they were involved in the things of the church. They were still fellowshipping with one another. And it's the same way that's true today. Those who influence you, are, that have the greatest influence on you, are the ones who should be the ones that are committed to Christ. That's who you want to let uh, influence you. And then in that relationship to those around us, to every father, you have the greatest influence on your children. How committed are you? We sometimes fuss at this generation of young people. We ought to look to mom and dad. How committed are you? In our churches, we complain, not this church, but in generally speaking, we complain, well, these young people just aren't committed to the Lord, and sometimes there's rebellion, and they won't commit. But I want to ask, Dad, how committed are you? 
Well, they won't come back on Sunday night. Well, you get in the car and you come back on Sunday night. Mom, how committed are you? How committed do you, are you to the Savior? I want my kids to turn out for the Lord. Well, there's a direct correlation with how committed you are to Christ. She was a wife and a mother, and we see how her commitment impacted those relationships. Then number three, and here's a point that I really want to drive home this morning. It's one we've already seen. It's one I've alluded to a few times, but she was different than the other Marys. Sometimes we as Christians, we think we're all supposed to be the same. We have the same Savior. We have the same book. We have the same fellowship. But it's an amazing thing that God made all of us different. Our text, John 19, God specifies the different Marys. He names them all there. And until I did a further study, this Mary was it's almost like she didn't even exist. Because certainly if Christ is the central figure as he is, this text, we have a, that conversation between Jesus and his mother and how Jesus passed on that responsibility to John. We find Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was obviously a woman of great character. She was, she was a sinner. She was not deity. She needed to believe in Jesus as the Savior as everybody else. But she was a woman of great character, specifically chosen by God to do a unique task. Before Mary, nor after Mary, has anybody ever been asked by God to do what God asked Mary to do. She was a woman of great character, but was chosen for a specific task. This Mary that we're talking about this morning did not have a task that was all that unique. This Mary was not the only Mary that was married. She was not the only Mary that was a mother. She was not even the only woman that was a follower of Christ. She was not the only one who was at the cross. She was not chosen for a unique task like Mary was. We look at Mary Magdalene, who had a unique testimony. As I've already reminded us, this Mary from a pagan part of the country was possessed of devils. And when she encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, those devils came out, and Mary with Magdalene was never the same. She depended, she, she, she put her faith in Christ. He had changed her life. What a unique testimony. When people saw Mary, it was there goes. Mary from Mag, Mary Magdalene. She was the one possessed of devils, and look what Jesus did in her life. Look how he saved her, and she could talk to others and say, and she could hear them talking and say, well, I wonder if he really is the Son of God. I wonder if he really is who, they, who some say he is. She could say, oh, let me tell you, let me testify. This is what I was, and I was bound, and, and I had no hope, but Jesus changed my life. And aren't you thankful for those testimonies, those who were just bound and, and those that were, 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 were doomed and without Christ? There's unique testimonies like that. 
There was unique task, Mary. There's, maybe you say, well, pastor, I, I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to be a pastor. That's a pretty, being a pastor is a pretty unique task. Or you look at the ministry somebody else has and say, I'm not, that's, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have anything unique like that. We look at Mary. Who was she? Just the wife of Cleophas. Mother of James and Joseph. No unique task. No unique testimony. But you know what I find in that? You don't have to have a unique task or a unique testimony to follow Christ. Without a unique task and without a unique testimony, she was still just as dedicated as those with the unique task and with the unique testimony. See, we got to be reminded that few are chosen for a unique task. God is not going to choose everybody for that unique task, that unique ministry. As we sit here in this great crowd this morning, He's only chosen one to be the pastor of this church. That does not make everybody else irrelevant. Few could testify this morning and say, let me tell you what I was. Let me tell you uh, where I was living. Let me tell you the gutter that I existed in. And I couldn't break free and I couldn't change anything. And Jesus saved me and Jesus, Jesus changed my life. Not everybody can testify to that, but there's some who can. Those who do not have a unique task and those who do not have a unique testimony need to understand what this lady understood, that she needed a Savior just as bad as somebody else. She could follow Christ in the same way that everybody else did. And and my question this morning is, can you serve God? Can you be a disciple of His in just the midst of your regular duties? We need moms who will just be a disciple of Christ. We need just just dads who will be a disciple of Christ. We just need wives who will say, I'm just going to follow Christ. I don't have a unique task that God has given me. I don't have a unique testimony. I was saved when I was young. I grew up in a good home. There's nothing unique about that. But we need some who will just say, praise God for the testimony I do have. I'm just going to serve him. We need some who will just say, there's nothing special about me, but I can follow him. I can serve him. She was different from the other Marys. And what I see in Scripture, she seemed to be okay with that. And sometimes we look at those with a unique calling and say, well, they ought to be serving. If I had a unique calling, I'd be as faithful as they are. Well, if I was saved out of what they were saved of, and friend, you can be saved growing up in a Christian home, and you were still saved from the same hell as somebody who lived in the gutter. You still needed a Savior growing up in a Christian home like somebody who knew everything this world had to offer. She was different from the other Marys, but she was okay with that because her eyes were on Jesus and she was just going to follow Him. You don't have to have, you don't have to be Mary Magdalene to be faithful. You don't have to be a Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
to be faithful. You can just be so nondescript that you're described by who you're married to and who your kids are. And you can still find your name at the end. As a matter of fact, some of you around here, you are known by who your kids are. Some of these people have been going to church with you for years and they don't know your name. They just know you're so-and-so's mom. Or you're that kid that did this mom. You're so-and-so's dad. Or you're married. Does that hinder you from serving God? Absolutely not. You can be so nondescript with nothing special about you, but let me remind you, The fact that you have life makes you special because God created you. The fact that Jesus died on the cross for you makes you special because he paid for your sins just like he paid for everybody else's. And I promise you, just like Mary Magdalene was delivered from that bondage, no matter the circumstances, whether there's no unique testimony, through salvation we are still delivered from bondage. I was saved almost at my fifth birthday. And can I tell you, even as a child, I was delivered from the bondage of sin, the bondage of hell, because it took the same forgiveness, the same grace, the same mercy as anyone else. She was different than the other Marys, but she was still faithful. And then, number four and finally, I want you to look in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter number 16. Let me say number four this morning, she was rewarded for her faith. We come to Mark chapter number 16, Christ has already been crucified. He was taken off the cross as we see at the end of chapter number 15. If you think back to previous weeks, we, we talked of Joseph of Arimathea. We talked of how Nicodemus helped in the preparation of the body. The body goes to Joseph of verse number 45 of chapter 15. Look at verse 46 of chapter 15. And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph beheld where he was laid. Chapter 16, verse 1, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices, and they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? When they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. They saith unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. They trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. If we were to continue reading, Mary Magdalene stays by, and that's where she encounters Jesus, supposing him being the gardener. The other Marys, they're gone. They go back and they tell the disciples. 
See, Mary, the mother of Cleophas, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, the mother of James and Joseph, who was a faithful follower to the end, she was rewarded for her faith. There's an empty tomb. There's a risen Savior. I wonder how many looked on that scene when they were at the foot of the... They were there where Christ was crucified. And I wonder how many felt sorry for them and pitied them. I wonder how many said how sad for these women to be fooled by this one who claims to be the Son of God. But yet their faith never wavered. Their faith didn't waver as he left the crowds and got closer to the moment of crucifixion. Their faith never wavered when he was condemned to die, having never committed a sin. Their faith never wavered when he endured all the physical torment and the beating to the point where as he hung on the cross, Scripture tells us you could not even recognize him as a man. Their faith never wavered through all of that. And when he said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, Man didn't take it from him. He gave up his life because man could not take his life from him. When they witnessed all of that, they never lost faith. And when Joseph got the body and they took the body, they they looked to where the body was laid and they still believed he was who he was. Then they come to the empty tomb. They come to the empty tomb. They come to the empty tomb. Because they saw him being laid in the tomb. Now the tomb is empty and that angel says, He's not here. Don't be afraid. Go tell the disciples. He'll meet them where he said he would meet them. Her faith was rewarded. Oh, who's the silly one now? Oh, who's the one that had been deceived now? And friend, may I conclude all of this? with a reminder that you and I, our faith will be rewarded. Friend, my testimony, you know my testimony. I was saved as a child. I've been saved ever since I put my faith and trust in Christ. And I'm going to try and live this life to please Him the best I can. The day is coming. Whether I take my last breath on this side of eternity or that trumpet sounds, my faith is going to be rewarded because there is an empty tomb. My faith will be rewarded in the fact that I put it in a resurrected Savior and not a religion, a resurrected Savior and not my own works, a resurrected Savior and not a, not a hope or a belief in another man, but in a resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, if you have trusted Him, your faith is going to be rewarded. We may be in the minority There may be times when the believers, the followers of Christ, and in this day we live, they are being separated. And the the closer it gets to Christ's return, it is going to take more of a stand for those who are willing to be identified with Him. But just as Mary, the unknown Mary, who is so nondescript, we're just going to describe her by who she was married to and who her kids were. Guess where we find her? At an empty tomb. I wonder what crossed her mind, what went through her mind. We can only suppose. 
But I suppose it was something like, I'm glad I stayed all the way to the end. I'm glad I believed. I'm glad I put my faith. I knew, I knew he was who he said he was. And friend, we live this life long enough full of hardships and trials in the midst of a world who rejects Christ. May I remind you the atmosphere these ladies lived in. They rejected him to the point where they put him on a cross. And yet, they kept their faith in him. You can lose faith in men. You can lose faith in governments. But don't ever lose faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is who he says he is. And friend, I'm glad he went to a cross, but he didn't stay on the cross. I'm, I, they laid him in a tomb, but he didn't stay in that tomb. And when he came forth out of that tomb, he, came, he didn't come out empty-handed. The scripture tells us he has the keys to death and hell. That's why as a believer today, as a child of God, we don't have to fear death. That's just a gateway to eternity with him. That is our eternal life. We don't have to fear that the things of hell, and, and, he, and hell is a frightening place to think of. There's a place that was created for the devil and all of his angels, and you and I, because of sin and our sin nature, we deserve that same punishment because we fall short when it comes to a holy and a righteous God. And that is where, where man is headed unless they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And while hell is a frightening place, I don't fear hell because I believe in a resurrected Savior. I have put my faith and trust in Him. And can I tell you, I don't know how many days I have here on this earth. I don't know when that trumpet is going to sound. But I do know this, my faith is going to be rewarded. Your faith is going to be rewarded. And it will not be uh, what the world says it's going to be. It's not going to be how religion says it's going to be. It's going to be how that book right there says it's going to be. And just as this lady who did not have a unique testimony, she did not have a unique task. As far as a believer goes, she was pretty ordinary. But she was faithful and her faith was rewarded. My time as a Christian, my time in church, which is pretty much my whole life, I've heard a lot of testimony from those who are counting those on their deathbed who say, I wish I had served him more faithfully. I can't even begin to count the number of services I've been in in my life. I couldn't begin to count the number of sermons I've heard preached, but I've never heard one story, one illustration of a Christian on their deathbed with regret to being faithful to him to the end. Faithfulness is rewarded. Our faith in the Savior is rewarded. Well, if you're saved this morning, let this Mary be an example of faithfulness. Anyone can be faithful. You just got to keep your eyes on Jesus. I'm never going to leave him. I'm never going to leave him. Her faith was rewarded by that empty tomb. Our faith will be rewarded because of the empty tomb.
you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. It must be a personal decision. No one else can do it for you. No one else can pray you out of hell into heaven. It is a personal choice. I have three children. I could not decide for any of my children. They each had to decide for themselves as I had to decide for myself. Am I going to put my faith in what Christ did? Your works will not get you there. Church membership at some church will not get you there. A denominational tag will not get you there. You can try to be good enough. You'll never be good enough to get you there because this book says, as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's by grace, not of ourselves. So as a Christian today, let's determine to be faithful. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior today, I urge you, I urge you, make today your day of salvation. In just a moment, we'll have a word of prayer. We're going to stand to our feet and we'll have an invitation. I invite Christians to come and pray and do business with God as He is impressed upon you. Oh, if it's been a while since you've bowed the knee and just said, thank you. Maybe today needs to be that day where you're just reminded of your own salvation. Maybe you've been feeling sorry for yourself as a Christian because you don't have a unique task. There's no greater task than just being faithful to the Son of God. No greater task than just being faithful to the Son of God. May we all determine today, I'm just going to be faithful. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you to let somebody show you from the Bible how you can be saved. You'll never regret it. You'll never look back on it. I wish it was something you could undo. There's no life like the new life of a child of God. Father, I pray this morning.